0: Follow us on Twitter at A-R-G-L-B-O-R-O. Hello, my name's Rhiannon Firth, and today I'm going to be reading my article, uh, Disaster Anarchy, which was published in Dope magazine. Um... Dope magazine's distributed for free for anyone who wants to sell it on the street and vendors keep all the money from sales. So if you'd like to get to know more about their project, have a look at their website, which will be linked uh, alongside the information with this recording. Um, So I'll get started. This is part two of two parts. So if you want to uh, get hold of the first part, it was in the Dope magazine issue prior to this one. This one is number 22, so part one was in number 21. Um, I'll get started. In the previous instalment, Dope 21 Spring 2023, I explored how disasters under capitalism have greater impact upon the poorest and most marginalised members of society. Risks and hazards not only impact unequally on precarious members of society, but they also magnify inequalities and dispossess more people. Anarchist forms of organising have typically played an important role in disaster relief, yet they are often either repressed or co-opted by state-centred approaches. Do anarchist approaches have anything to offer beyond merely state-friendly social capital, mopping up the failures of the austere neoliberal state? In this instalment, I look at some assumptions underlying state-centred approaches and how anarchist approaches can resist and transgress these. Mainstream disaster management paradigms, as well as many socialist and Marxist positions, believe the state has an essential role to play in managing and redistributing risk and resources. The main objection to the idea of mutual aid as an effective form of disaster relief is that humans in a state of anarchy cannot organise themselves effectively to deal with global issues like climate change, nor social issues like public health. This view has been put forward by political commentator George Mombio who has become emblematic of the environmental left, as well as Marxist academic David Harvey, and is a trope frequently repeated in left-wing and liberal media. This position led to near consensus with right-wing media during the COVID-19 pandemic, that authoritarian measures, like police-enforced lockdowns, were the only way to deal with the pandemic, which were prioritised over community-based and resourcing measures, such as personal protective equipment, widespread rapid no-questions testing, community engagement and education, financial support for isolation. Anarchists disagree. Anarchist ideas and practices such as prefiguration and mutual aid show that downscaling and localization are often effective responses to structural asymmetries. For example, mutual aid, the practice of helping one's neighbours in a disaster when systems of support provided by the state and capitalism break down, does not aim to just put a sticking plaster over the gaps where the status quo fails, but rather to show that another world is possible, a more caring society where people treat one another as equals who are deserving of mutual aid. Charity assumes a giver and a taker, and a formalised organisation that regulates the relations between them. Mutual aid assumes that anyone can potentially be in need of help, but may also have much to give. Mutual aid is a form of disaster response that starts from the experiences and impacts on humans and other living beings, and the meaningful structures of life embedded in objects, habitats and ecosystems, Rather than focusing on keeping order by maintaining the effects on the state or economic system, treating humans as generic subjects. It starts from the position of each person being. Rather than a top-down approach that creates roles that people must fill, a bottom-up response would facilitate people to contribute and plug into a network based on their own talents, needs and desires. Rather than centralised efforts under a lead organisation, this approach would encourage multiple small groups and a proliferation of projects with different emphases and methods allowing some overlap and redundancy. A truly mutual aid effort should avoid securitization and moral panics around empathic and humanitarian approaches. For example it wouldn't shame or arrest people for breaking lockdown rules or failing to do their recycling. This does not preclude communities from instituting rules or protection measures but these should be democratic and decided by consensus, rather than imposed from the top down. Emphasis should be on resourcing like medical equipment, community education and pedagogy, and support for people in need, rather than on order securitisation and criminalisation. The form of organisation might be imagined as a proliferation of diverse, small-scale alternatives, Housing and worker cooperatives, community and permaculture gardens, localised food and energy production, engaging in various overlapping solidarities and mutual aid. This would require degrowth, a shift away from the relentless pursuit of economic growth and consumer accumulation, and therefore a whole scale change in societal values, escaping the rat race of production and consumption. Anarchism reimagines the temporality and scale of radical social change. There is an emphasis on the small scale, on degrowth and social recomposition, on a society bubbling with transgressive life through overlapping societies, groups and organisations, whose affinities and relations are immeasurable and unmappable. Social change is both imminent and prefigurative and does not require scaling up through unity or a vanguard in order to be extended or politicized. Such vanguardism tends to defer lived anarchy to the future. Transgression and insurrection are already part of everyday life and are observable everywhere where, when everyday life is examined using an anarchist epistemology. People like Mombio and Harvey argue the problem with anarchism is it can't be scaled up to provide an effective response to large-scale wicked problems like pandemics, climate change, and capitalist extractivism. However, degrowth and rescaling is often an effective response. The powerful only accept solutions that leave their own position untouched, which effectively prevents degrowth. The state seeks to capitalize on all social relations. The anarchist reversal of perspective views human's greatest enemy as the state as a particular way of relating rather than as other human beings in themselves. Mutual aid is therefore always vulnerable to co-optation and by controlling ways of being. In my research, observation and interviews with Occupy Sandy, New York and groups organising mutual aid during COVID-19 in London, I found that having a shared space, such as a squat occupation or social centre, was associated with groups who managed to ward off state power. Radical interviewees tended to favour accounts of mutual aid as a form of direct action that prefigures a stateless society and as raising awareness of structural conditions. Some argued that this meant the helping aspect of mutual aid, social reproduction, should be linked to more radical actions such as occupations, eviction resistance, community self-defense, protests, and being explicit and vocal about radical politics. It is important not to underplay the very real divisions in movements between those more radical perspectives and those who wish to keep politics separate from mutual aid, nor to suggest that these are two mutually exclusive camps. In my book, I argue that the liberal discourse of apolitical mutual aid is not possible. Seemingly apolitical perspectives serve to reinforce the status quo and co-opt mutual aid into securitized and co-opted versions with their racialized constitutive exclusions. For example, some COVID-19 mutual aid groups became more like neighborhood watch groups with an interviewee giving the example of having to talk a liberal group member out of calling the police on a group of young black men for breaking lockdown rules. Nevertheless, this urge to keep mutual aid radical is complicated by the fact that marginalised communities may already partake in their own forms of mutual aid, even if they don't call it that, nor call themselves anarchists. In such cases, the perceived fetishizing of political slogans or words, or of politics as sectarian identities, can seem colonising and alienating, and get in the way of mutual aid. Even where explicit politics is avoided, mutual aid may have political effects through social recomposition, creating infrastructures, through prefiguring a more equal and stateless society and gift economies, through structural critique and consciousness raising, and through direct action. Thank you for listening. To help others find anarchist essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.